Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Macabre for Mortals. As I mentioned on last week's episode, I will be covering the second part of the Greek myths. You can listen to either part in any order, so I don't think that there's any particular order that you have to listen to these in. Just wanted to say that this is just a lighter episode after the last three heavier episodes on post-traumatic stress disorder. And for the next four weeks, I am going to be covering singular subjects, so not necessarily themes, just because I do have um, a higher workload on for the next month. But then after that, I will be looking into doing another series again. I just wanted to thank everyone for their great feedback on the last series. I really appreciate it and it's really encouraging to hear after lots of hours of work that's been put into the episodes in the background before I actually sit down to record and then obviously edit them to get onto air. I just really wanted to thank you for taking that time for letting me know and I hope that you enjoy this little lighter series. The story of the goddess Athena and Arachne. In Greek mythology, gods were powerful and humans should be obedient. But was that always the case? In ancient times, there was a beautiful lady called Arachne, meaning spider in Greek. She knew the art of loom very well and she weaved beautifully. She boasted that she could weave better than Athena, who was the patroness of weaving art. She even dared to ask the goddess to a contest. Athena accepted and they began to weave. Athena weaved a representation of her fight with Poseidon over the naming of Athena. Arachne, on the other hand, weaved the naughty adventures of Zeus and the other gods of Olympus. Athena, angered by the hubris that Arachne dared to show, transformed her into a spider and cursed her to be hanging from her web for the remainder of her life. The Myth of Narcissus and Echo Echo was a wood nymph, cursed by Hera not to be able to speak properly, but rather repeat the last words addressed to her. One day she was wandering around the mountains until she saw a handsome young man that no one could resist his charm, Narcissus. The nymph fell in love with the youth but could not speak to him because of Hera's curse. So she was following him from the shadows, silently and in love, waiting patiently for the proper moment. At some point Narcissus felt her present and asked, is anyone here? To which Echo replied, here. A confusing and repetitive conversation followed until Narcissus called her to come out and make love with him. But as soon as Echo stepped out, Narcissus told her that he'd rather die than give himself to a wood nymph. 
Echo, heartbroken, took refuge in a cave and lost her appetite for food or water. After a while, poor Echo started growing skinny from starvation until her body disappeared, leaving only dust and her voice. Nemesis, the god of revenge against those who show hubris, decided to punish Narcissus for the treatment of poor Echo. The goddess made Narcissus fall in love with his own reflection that he saw in a pond near Echo's cave. Narcissus could not leave his own reflection out of love and starved to death like Echo. But before he died, Narcissus cried out to his reflection, Farewell, dear boy, beloved in vain. Echo's voice repeated his last words from the cave as Narcissus drew his last breath. To this day, Echo still repeats the last words or phrases in caves or labyrinths. The myth of Hermaphroditus. Hermaphroditus. Hermaphroditus was the son of Hermes and Aphrodite. He was raised by the nymphs in the caves of Mount Frigra. On his face, one could see the grace and beauty of both his parents, from whom he took his name. When he was 15 years old, he left the mountain where he grew up to wander into Asia Minor and meet new people. In the woods of Caria, he stopped to rest and drink water from a spring called the Salchemis. The harmonious nymph Salchemis was captivated by the beauty of the young man and tried to seduce him, but was rejected. When, Herma- Her- oh, pardon me. when Hermaphroditus felt he was alone, he jumped into the water naked to swim. Symmachus appeared behind a tree and jumped in as well, wrapping her body around that of the young man, forcibly kissing and touching him. While Hermaphroditus was trying to break free from her, the nymph called out to the gods to let them be united forever. The gods decided to grant her wish and blended their two bodies into one, creating a creature of both sexes. Hermaphroditus prayed to his parents, Hermes and Aphrodite, that anyone else who bathed in the spring would share his fate, and the gods granted his wish. Bellophron and Pegasus. Bellophron was a great hero in Greek mythology. He was a slayer of monsters and as famous as Persis. His famous feat was the killing of the Chimeran, a horrible monster with a goat's body, a serpent's tail, and a lion's head that could breathe fire. The great hero was the son of the mortal woman Unome either her husband and the king or Corinth Galactus or the god Poseidon. Bellophron was accompanied in his adventures by the winged horse Pegasus. The myth has it that Pegasus was born from the blood of her beheaded mother Medusa, the Gorgon who was tricked and killed by the hero Perseus. A more detailed version of the myth said that he was born when Medusa's blood was mixed in with the foam of the sea. 
The myth says that Pegasus was born as a winged horse because his father, Poseidon, had the shape of the horse when he seduced Medusa. When Pegasus was born, a huge thunder and lightning pierced the sky, and that's how his connection to the forces of the skies was established. So one day, Bellaphorn saw that the wonderful animal drinking water and decided to tame it. This would not have been possible if Athena had not helped him by giving him a golden bridle. After saying the Chimera, Bellafron's fame grew, and so did his arrogance. He believed that because of his great feet, he deserved to fly to the mountain of the gods, Olympus, and set course with Pegasus. Zeus was angered by his hubris and sent a gadfly to sting Pegasus, causing Bellafron to fall off the flying horse. Pegasus continued to Olympus and became the loyal horse of Zeus. It is said that Athena spared the life of Bellafron by softening the ground for his fall. However, the once great hero spent the remaining life crippled and lonely, always searching for his beloved winged horse. Leda and the Swan Another tale from Greek mythology about Zeus is the one with Leda. When the Olympian god saw Leda on the banks of the river Eurotas, he felt an overwhelming desire for her. So he went to Aphrodite and asked her for her advice. Aphrodite transformed Zeus into a brilliant swan and herself into an eagle, and she began pursuing the swan in the river valley. The pursuing Zeus swan sought refuge in the arms of Leda, who received him tenderly and warmly within her. However, nine months after this incident, she gave birth to two eggs. Not one swan came out of each, but two pairs of twins. On one hand, Polydiphicus and the beautiful Helen, and on the other, Castor and Clemestral. Her children became very famous and lead characters to many other great ancient tragedies. The myth of Andromeda and Persis. Long ago, the African kingdom of Ethiopia was ruled by a king named Surfus and his queen Cassiopeia. The royal couple had a daughter, Andromeda. One day, the queen boasted about her beauty before the mythical inhabitants of the sea, the Neridis. The Neridis became very angry because they believed themselves to be the most beautiful creatures in the world. And they complained to their father, the god of the seas, Poseidon, and that he should punish her. The mighty lord of the seas sent a huge sea monster to ravage the coast of Ethiopia, including the vain queen. The desperate king asked for the guidance of Apollo in Delphi. The oracle advised that no respite would be found until the king and the queen sacrificed their daughter to the monster. To appease Poseidon, Cephas and Cassiopeia offered reluctantly their beloved daughter to be eaten by the monster. The beautiful Andromeda was chained on a seaside rock and awaited her fate. 
Meanwhile, the great hero Perseus was returning from having slain Medusa, riding the winged horse Pegasus in the sky. Passing over Ethiopia, he saw Andromeda chained on the rock and immediately fell in love with her. As the monster was approaching to devour Andromeda, the brave Perseus started fighting it. Their their fight lasted a long time. Finally, Perseus used the deadly look of Medusa's severed head, petrifying the huge monster, which fell in the sea and became an island. Perseus freed Andromeda from her change and took her back to the Palace of Surface, where they got married. They lived together happily, having seven sons and two daughters. After Andromeda's death, the goddess Athena placed her amongst the constellations in the northern sky, near Persis and Cassiopeia. The myth of Sisyphus and his eternal punishment. Once upon a time, Corinth was a very strong Greek city-state, the remains of which can be found on this day. Some sources refer to it as the great city of Ephora, as a city founded by Sisyphus, which was later named Corinth. Others say that the witch Medea gave Corinth to Sisyphus, who became its king. One day, Asopos, daughter Angea, had been abducted by Zeus, and where Asopos asked whether Sisyphus had seen anything, Sisyphus mentioned that he saw Zeus fly over with Angea. When Zeus heard that, he got really angry that he was betrayed by a mortal. So the king of the gods sent death to to take Sisyphus' life. However, when death came to chain Sisyphus, the latter asked death a demonstration of how the chains work. And he deceived death and chained himself instead. The imprisonment of death meant that he could not come for any human and the people stopped dying. The gods in response sent Ares, the god of war, to free death. This time death took Sisyphus in his chains and led him to the world of the dead, the underworld, kingdom of Hades. However, before he died, Sisyphus' wife asked, wife Merphi, to not bury him properly by neglecting to put a coin in his mouth. This way, he could not pay the charon, the ferryman, to cross the river Styx. The lack of a proper burial disturbed Hades so much that he sent Sisyphus back to the living. Thus, Sisyphus managed to escape death once more. When the gods finally managed to catch Sisyphus again, they decided that his punishment should last forever. They made him push a rock up a mountain. Every time the rock would reach the top, it would roll down again, and Sisyphus would have to start all over again. King Midas and his Golden Touch In Greek mythology, Midas was the king of Figria, and ruled from his castle and its beautiful garden in which roses grew out of themselves each bearing 60 blossoms and surpassing fragrance. One day, 
some of Midas's people found a drunken old man near the garden and brought him before the king. Midas recognized the old man who was the god Dionysus, closest reveler, the Sate Silonus. Instead of punishing him, Midas Hotus stood the satyr for 10 days, offering him food, drinks, and entertaining him. When he returned him safely to Dionysus, the god felt gratitude and offered Midas to grant him any wish that he had. Midas, motivated by his greed, asked that he should be able to turn gold, everything he touched. At first, Midas gained great wealth and power from his unique ability, but he later realized that it was more of a curse than a gift. Even the water and the food that he touched was turning to gold. He could not even enjoy the simplest of joys in life anymore. Midas went back to Dionysus and begged him to take back his power. The Apple of Discord The Great Trojan War started with a few envious gods and an apple. During the wedding of Thetis and Pelus, the goddess of discord, Eris, was not invited for apparent reasons. Eris felt offended and arriving at the wedding, tossed in the middle of the feast of the gods a golden apple, saying, to the fairest. The apple was claimed by Hera, Athena and Aphrodite, sparking a vanity-fueled dispute amongst the three. The goddesses asked Zeus who the apple belonged to. In other words, who is the fairest of them all? And Zeus said that Paris, a mortal man and the rightful prince of Troy, should choose. Paris at the time was living as a shepherd on Mount Ida and was not aware of his royal descent. He had been abandoned as a baby because of the oracle that said he would cause the destruction of his city. The three goddesses appeared before the shepherd Paris and asked him to choose who is the fairest of them all. Because Paris at first was unable to choose one, each of the goddesses offered him a gift. Hera offered him wealth and kingly power. Athena, wisdom and glory among men. And Aphrodite offered him the love of the most beautiful woman in the world. Without hesitation, Paris gave the golden apple to Aphrodite. From that day on, Aphrodite was offering counsel to Paris. She was the one that informed him of his royal blood and led him back to Troy. And the rest is what they say is history. The Great Trojan War. The events that occurred in the myth of the Apple of Discord would lead to the greatest war of Greek mythology. The Trojan War is an epic poem written by Homer. Having been promised by Aphrodite the love of the most beautiful woman, Paris abducted Helen, the wife of Melanus of Sparta. Refusing to return Helen, Melanus' brother Agamemnon gathered a great army of Greeks to sail to Troy. At Aleus, the army was gathered with the greatest Greek heroes among them, Achilles, Paraclus, Odysseus, Nestor, 
just to name a few. However, there was no wind for the ships to sail, and the warriors started to complain. The reason for this was the killing of Artemis' sacred deer by Agamemnon. The Greek king was forced to sacrifice his daughter, Iphigenia, to appease Artemis, and the winds came. For nine years, the Greek army was trying to enter the walls of Troy without any luck. Finally, Odysseus had an idea to build a gigantic hollow wooden horse in which a small group of warriors would conceal. The other Greeks appeared to sail for home, leaving behind the horse as a gift to the Trojans. Despite the warnings of Cassandra and others, the Trojans took the horse inside the walls and celebrated with a lot of wine and music. When everyone was asleep, the Greek warriors crept out of the horse and opened the gates. The Greek army entered without resistance and Troy fell. Achilles died during the battle, having been hit in the heel by an arrow. The gods also took part in the war. Hera, Poseidon and Athena aided the Greeks, while Ares and Aphrodite, the Trojans. The Legendary Myth of Odysseus Odysseus, also known with his Latin name Ulysses, was a great hero of Homer's epic poem The Iliad and Odysseus and the Odyssey. The Odyssey recounts his adventures since he left Troy in his effort to return home. His wandering lasted for no less than 10 years and his adventures were many. He fought against the Sicones, broke free from the Lotus Eaters, escaped with the cunning the Cyclopop Prometheus and the son of Poseidon by blinding him, making the sea god his enemy. Then he visited the island of Eleusis, the wind god, receiving a sack as a gift which contained all the winds inside to help him arrive home. As they were arriving in Ithaca, two of his men opened the sack out of curiosity while Odysseus was sleeping. Their ship once again was sailed away from Ithaca because the storm that followed. He then survived the Lacedaemonians, a tribe of man-eating giants, and landed on the island of the Socrates. This is where he met the sorceress Circe. With the help of Hermes, Odysseus left the island and journeyed to the underworld to help get the blind prophet Tarsus, who had died. Then passed through the sirens and their seductive song by blocking the ears of his men with wax and ordering them to tie him to the mast so he could not jump to join the sirens. His next challenge was to cross the strait between Silica, a six-headed monster, and Sharbatus, a violent whirlpool, which he managed to do by sacrificing six of his men. He lost the remaining of his men and his ship at the island of Cyrenica after Zeus threw a thunderbolt to appease the sun god Helios. Odysseus found himself next to the island of Ogia, where he spent seven years with the goddess Calypso, who had fallen in love with him. With the help of Hermes, he left the island with the raft he made. 
A storm washed him this time at the island of Phersians. This time he was lucky, since the island was protected by King Elasnus and his queen Arti, who helped him to return to Ithaca. When he finally arrived, 20 years after setting sail for Troy, he found that his palace was inhabited by young people from noble families in the surrounding islands and Ithaca. Each of them wanted to marry Penelope, his wife, because they believed Odysseus did not survive. Penelope patiently waited all these years for the return of her husband, devising a trick to delay her suitors. Odysseus killed them all with his bow, and with the help of his son Telemachus and his faithful dog. But as soon as he killed the suitors, their fathers got angry and demanded revenge. Finally, the goddess Athena, his everlasting protector, brought peace to the island and Odysseus and his wife Penelope were reunited and happy at last. The Adventures of Jason and the Argonauts One of the most famous stories in Greek mythology is that of Jason and the Argonauts and their quest for the Golden Fleece. Jason was the son of Aesion, rightful heir to the throne of Lochus. Peleus, the half-brother of Aesion, took the throne of Iclus, bypassing Aesion by locking him in the dungeons. Peleus received the oracle from Delphi that a descendant of Aesion would seek revenge. Peleus believed that Jason was the one that the oracle met, so he sent him to undertake an impossible mission hoping that he would be slain in the process. The mission was to receive the Golden Fleece from the Lang of Colsus, the Golden Fleece, that was the skin of a winged holy ram of the god Zeus, and it was guarded by a huge dragon. For the great adventure, Jason assembled the best heroes of Greece, including Hercules and Orpheus, and had a special built boat build named the Argos. So Jason and the Argonauts began their journey. After a challenging voyage, they arrived at Colsus and asked the Golden Fleece from King Achilles. The king deceived Jason and put him in great danger, only for Medea, Achilles' daughter, to save him. Medea was a sorceress and fell in love with Jason. She told him that she would help him retrieve the fleece if he would take her back with him and marry her. Jason agreed and Medea put a spell on the dragon, allowed Jason to retrieve the fleece. Jason and the Argonauts together with Medea returned to Argos and set sail from the Colossus. However, before they left, Medea killed her brother, spreading his pieces across the ocean so that her father would not follow them before he gathered all the pieces. Zeus was very angry with the killing of Medea's brother and sent many trials to the Argonauts. They had to pass through the Sirens and the Scylla and the Sharberis, Talos and many more. By overcoming these obstacles, the Argonauts redeemed themselves and managed to return back home and give the Golden Fleece to King Pelus. Jason kept his promise to Medea and married her. With her help, they killed Peleus and had two children together. 
Tragedy, of course, could not be absent from this story either. Jason fell in love with Gallicus, and the full revenge of madness, Medea killed their two children, fleeing to Athens. Jason fell into despair. He returned to his rotten ship, the Argos, and sat on the sand underneath it. One piece from the rotten ship peeled off and killed him. The myth of Leto. Leto was a female titan and the favourite lover of Zeus in his early days. While she was pregnant with Zeus's children, Zeus married the goddess Hera. As expected, Hera was furious and very jealous of Leto for bearing her husband's children. She did everything in her power to make the life of Leto difficult and tried her best not to allow her to give birth to Zeus's children. She pushed Leto out of Olympus. While Leto was wandering on earth, no man would open his house to her, fearing the wrath of Hera. On top of that, Hera had a huge serpent python to chase her. Zeus saved Leto by sending the north wind Boras to carry her out to sea, finally to a desolate rocky island named Delos. Having nothing to lose now, Leto gave birth to her first daughter, Artemis, and nine days later to Apollo. The children would later grow up to be the powerful gods and members of the Greek pantheon. Trained by their mother, they became very skilled archers. However, Hera's vengeance did not end there. She continued tormenting Leto, having Python chase her everywhere. Finally, only four years old, Apollo killed Python in Delphi. The myth of Niobe. This story is connected to the myth of Leto. Niobe in Greek mythology was the daughter of Tantalus and Dion, or Eurysana. She was married to Amphion and had 14 children in total, seven boys and seven girls. She boasted about the fact that she was blessed with so many children and made fun of Leto that she only had two, Apollo and Artemis. For her hubris, Leto punished Niobe by sending Apollo to kill with his arrows all of Niobe's boys and Artemis to kill all of her girls. Upon seeing her dead children, Niobe, in despair, fled to the Mount Symphalus, where she turned into a rock. The rock became known as the Weeping Rock. The Weeping Rock resembles truly a woman's figure and can still be visited today in Turkey. My sources this week were the Greek Travelers blog, and that was the only source and some of my own knowledge from what I've learned over the past. I hope you enjoyed that. I know it was just a little bit of a lighter episode, but I think by understanding some of the Greek mythology, we can actually see where we actually get words from. 
and the origins of them and the stories behind the origins. It makes so much sense to me sometimes by hearing the of a, a god called something else or like the echo, like that she could only repeat the last word and that's where echoes come from. I think that's fabulous. I know I love learning things like that. So thank you for listening to another episode of Macabre for Mortals. If you have any questions, feedback, or any cases that you'd like me to cover, then please drop me an email at macabreformortals at gmail.com or a DM via Instagram at macabreformortals. I'm still a little bit unsure of what I will be covering next week, but I am going to be covering a true crime case as I haven't really done one in a while, but as with all my other ones, I'm going to make it very victim-centric. So I hope you have a fabulous week. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you stay safe wherever you are in the world. Bye.